Welcome to another inspirational message from Pastor Ron Hammonds, Senior Pastor of Golden Triangle Church on the Rock in Southeast Texas. We're so glad you're joining us. For more information about Golden Triangle Church on the Rock Ministries, visit our website, cotr.com. Enjoy the word. Well, are you ready for the word? All right, let's open our Bibles to Acts the 12th chapter will be going there tonight we're going to be continuing our series on angels on assignment this is part three i didn't expect to have a part three but part three uh is entitled prayer warriors prayer warriors we'll get to that in just a moment while you're finding acts chapter 12 let me read a verse from the book of Hebrews concerning angels. In Hebrews, the first chapter, verse 14, says this. Talking about angels. Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation? Angels are ministering spirits. They are sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation. Interesting, huh? Psalms 103 verse 20 tells us they're flames of fire and they listen for God's will. I don't know why God did this, but he did he included you in his plan. I don't know why he did this, but he included me in his plan. I don't know why he did this, but he has included us in the fact that when we pray and when we speak the will of God, somehow it activates things in the spirit realm. We see it all throughout the Bible. And that's what we're going to talk about in Acts chapter 12. Now, this does not mean that you can change or alter the will of God, and we would not want to. We would not want for God to give us his second best or for him to have to forego his will. We don't often know the will of God as the Apostle Paul says so many times we have to pray in the spirit and our spirit prays according to the will of God when we cannot even voice and utter things at times but there's something powerful about God getting people to participate in his plan through prayer it happened in the life of Jesus and it happened in Acts chapter 12 in Acts chapter 12, the Bible begins in verse 1, uh, you know, uh, telling us that about that time, Herod the king laid violent hands on some who belonged to the church. Wow. Once again, when we pray like Daniel prayed, like Zacharias prayed, the father of John the Baptist, you know, uh, like, like the church in Jerusalem is going to pray. We'll read about it in just a moment. Angels are sent on assignment. You know, it may take just a little while. And they may not always, like in Zachariah's day, you know, uh, uh, he and Elizabeth waited and waited and waited. And it ended up that they had even forgotten their prayers and didn't even want it to happen anymore. But the angel said, nope, your prayers have been heard. 
That's what he said to Daniel on the first day that, you know, I mean, the will of God. They had been praying the will of God, and they didn't even know they'd been praying the will of God. They had been praying the will of God and activating the will of God through their prayers, and God had not forgotten. You know, it didn't change the will of God to be what they wanted, but it, it, it changed them to be willing to participate with what God wanted, and it activated God's will. Uh, about that time what time was that we know the year the year was 44 AD how can we know that year because we know who King Herod was King Herod here this is the King Herod King Herod Agrippa the first this King Herod is the King Herod that is the grandson of Herod the Great and in 30 years, up until the year 42, there had not been a king over all of that land of Judea and all of that part of Israel. But now, in the year 42, 43, and 44, King Herod Agrippa I was the king over uh, that area. And so that's how we know it was him. And he died in 44. So that's how we know what year this happened, because this happened in the year that he died. Okay? Does that make sense? You know, history and the Bible, uh, you know, uh, you know uh, we can find out a lot uh, by by uh, putting them together and uh, allowing history to complement the Word of God. Uh, 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 about that time, it was a very difficult time in that period for the world. Things were changing in the Roman world and things were changing in the church. It was a difficult time for the church. This was about 14 or 15 years after the crucifixion, after the resurrection. And the church in Jerusalem had been going well. And there you know, had, had come a famine and they weren't doing so well. They, they, they needed some money and, you know, and, and people were trying to help, you know, help the church in Jerusalem. Uh, and and, uh, you know, and, and uh, it was in this year, as I said, that King Herod died. He died in the town of Caesarea. And some of you are going with me to Israel in about two months. And I will take you to the very spot he died in that very theater. It's still there. It's, it, it, it's you know, the ruins of that Roman theater are still there right on the Mediterranean in Caesarea. And you can sit in the very place where King Herod was sitting whenever he did not give glory to God. And you'll we'll read in a moment an angel of the Lord uh, touched him and he was consumed by worms from the inside out yeah you can sit right there in that very place if you like <laughs> okay well at any rate this was a period of time about six or seven years maybe eight years after Stephen had been stoned and the church had been having a relatively quiet time and there wasn't quite the same level of persecution that there had been earlier or that there was about to be in the church and uh, Saul of Tarsus, you know, after he helped with the stoning of Stephen and held their coats, you know, he got converted. <laughs> and when he got converted, you know, the, the, the high priest and, 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 and all the, the Jewish council, they kind of lost a little of their oomph. Kind of lost a little of their, their, their desire. I mean, you know, I mean, they were, they were really persecuting the church, but they kind of lost a little bit after Paul went off the scene, and things kind of quieted down a little bit. And, and then Gamaliel's advice in, in Acts chapter 5 came along, and they decided, well, we'll just have to let this run its course. And so they had been enjoying a little bit of rest here for, you know, you know a few years, seven, eight years. 
but uh, things were about to change. Okay, that's what time it was. Okay, let's let's read again from Acts chapter twelve. About that time, you know now what time it was. Herod, Herod Agrippa the first, the king. Only in that time period, this all had to happen in that time period. The king, he laid violent hands on some who belonged to the church. Number uh, verse two, he killed James the brother of John with the sword. Wow. So James and John were in that church, you know, 14 or 15 years. And now all of a sudden, this uprising comes again. And James, oh man, the brother of John. James and John. You know, he killed him with a sword. Well, verse 3. And when King Herod saw that it pleased the Jews because he wanted to court their favor and get them to cooperate because he was the new king and he was, you know, uh, he was hoping to, to, to you know, uh, uh, have peace there and get what he wanted. When he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter also. This was during the days of unleavened bread. It was during the Feast of Passover. Okay, which is uh, you know a, a week long, eight day celebration, a week long celebration. And so uh, um, he seized him. Verse four says, and when he had seized Peter, King Herod put Peter in prison, delivering him over to four squads of soldiers to guard him intending after Passover to bring Peter out to the people. He intended to, to, to execute Peter like he had executed uh, uh, James. Well, four squads of soldiers? Why in the world? I mean, this was just a little old fisherman. This guy was, I mean, all he did was, you know, care about people and love people and help them and heal them and encourage them. I mean, why? I mean deliver him to four squads of soldiers uh, and, and Peter wasn't even resisting why in the world would you have to put that many soldiers on one man in a prison well it's because you know the government had little experience keeping these boys in prison <laughs> he had a little, they had little past experience it seemed like they kept disappearing out of prison <laughs> and it was kind of hard to keep your hands on them you know the prison in Jerusalem had already, you know, had some trouble and some embarrassment because the apostles kept getting out of jail and they didn't know how it was happening. We can read about it in Acts the fifth chapter. In fact, let's 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 look back if we would in Acts the fifth chapter for just a moment uh, uh, at an event that took place only a couple of years, two or three years after Pentecost. It was during the time that the early church had been growing in numbers and growing in power and they were growing in prominence and they became very popular in Jerusalem and, and thousands and thousands of people would get saved at one time, 3,000 at one time, 5,000 at one time. I mean, the church was growing. It was really doing well and, and, uh, and, and this really upset the hierarchy in Jerusalem even though the people that got saved were peaceful and they paid their taxes and everything else nonetheless the high priest felt like he was losing control and and uh, you know uh, according to the scriptures uh, uh, they got the, the, the high priest and the council got very jealous and so they arrested the apostles and they put the apostles in prison 
Acts 5 tells the whole story. You can read about it. We'll just hit a high point or two. But while the apostles were in prison there in Acts chapter 5, verse 19 says, But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out. <laughs> you know, here all these years ago, they, just, uh, they, they had this experience. And this angel said to them, Go and stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of life. So the apostles went out and started preaching again. I mean, he opened up the prison doors, took them out. Nobody knew it. Nobody saw it. So the next day when the council came together and they started to have court and the Roman Senate and the high priest, all they said, go and get those disciples of Jesus, those you know, believers, and bring them here. Well, the guards went and they couldn't find them. They were nowhere in the prison cell where they left them. And, and the, re, the report of the guards went like this in verse 23. We found the prison securely locked and the guards standing at the doors, but when we opened them, we found no one inside. That's kind of weird, isn't it? Y'all think that's weird? I think that's weird. And now here we are in Acts 12. You know, we're 10 to 12 years later. You know, 14 to 15 years past the crucifixion, the resurrection. Seven or eight years past Stephen being stoned and, and Paul being, you know, a born again. Here we are in, in A.D. 44. And uh, with the Jewish council and the Senate having had experiences that they couldn't explain. How these guys got out of jail and what's going on. And so, you know, the Roman government didn't want to take any chances. And so they put Peter in prison with four squads not four people four squads of soldiers and they got peter being watched by soldiers in a prison okay now he's just a fisherman turned evangelist say back to acts 12 okay back to our prayer warriors so Verse 5, so Peter was kept in prison, but earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. Now, this is a particular point that Acts 12 makes. And when, when, when a narrative that, that God is telling us includes a very specific and very hard point, we need to pay attention that that Point is important to our lives now uh, Peter was kept in prison it means that, that there was some time that passed perhaps you know a few days perhaps a week but all of this time earnest prayer earnest prayer was being made by the church to God on behalf of Peter verse 6 now when Herod was ready after Passover after the Feast of Unleavened Bread, when Herod was about to bring Peter out on that very night. Don't you know it? You know God is not often early. He's never late, but he's not often early. <laughs> he is always right on time. Don't you know that they wanted Peter out sooner? Don't you know that sometimes we want something done now, right now, right now? Uh, you know, uh, but, uh, you, know, it, uh, you know, there is a will of God. There is a timing of God. 
There is a purpose. There's a plan that only God can calculate. And the church had been earnestly praying, but up until now, they imagined nothing had happened. Why? Because it was not the time. Not that it was not the will. It was just not the time. Now, when Herod was about to bring Peter out on that very night, Peter was sleeping. I love the fact that he was sleeping the night before execution. (laughs) He was sleeping peacefully between two soldiers. There wasn't just four squads watching him. Peter was bound with chains between two. I bet the soldiers weren't sleeping, but Peter evidently was. I don't know. I, 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 I don't remember ever a situation where I was like, bound up between two people trying to get some rest with soldiers and probably, you know, uh, you know, I just can't imagine. And four squads watching him. Centuries. And, and, and you know, uh, gates and doors and locked and bars and squads and chains. And you get the picture here. And centuries before the door were guarding the prison. Now, The only reason God's given us a picture of this is because it's important. You know, these people expected something. They expected something to happen, and they were ready. They thought for anything. Oh, no, they're never ready for what God can do. (laughs) No way. No way somebody can guard against what God can do. There's just no way that anyone can say, God, you can't come here. You can't do this. There's no way. Uh Uh-uh. No, no, nothing is impossible for God. They they were ready. There's no way this boy's getting out this time. You know, last time we had him here, he got out and we don't know how. He's not finding that same hole this time. They didn't believe in angels. They were a part of the Sadducees. They didn't believe in spiritual things. You know, they literally just, uh, just, you know, imagined that somehow these boys got out. They paid somebody. They bribed somebody. They did something, but not going to happen this time. We've got four squads of soldiers, and we've got sentries at the door, and we've got the gates locked, and it's dark, and he's chained, and he's been here for several days, and in the morning, we're going to bring him out and cut his head off. (laughs) Yeah. Well, verse 7. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood next to Peter, and a light shined in the cell. The angel struck Peter on the side and woke him, saying, Get up quickly. I love what God always, the suddenlies and the quicklies in the Bible, I love them. I love to just look up the word suddenly and just read all the, and quickly. And, you know, uh, there's something about when it's time, it's time. God may not even let us know until it's time, but when it's time, it's time. And when God says it's time, it's time. Get up quickly. (laughs) And the chains fell off. Oh, whoa. I could just dance across this platform if I wasn't so Baptist. Yeah, I'm a Bapticostal. And the chains fell off his hands. 
You know, whatever's holding you and wherever you're, you're bound to and whatever you imagine can't happen, let me tell you something. Change can fall off suddenly, even at the last moment, even in the very last night. Change can fall off. Those things that are, that are binding you, that are holding you, those things that make you feel desperate and without hope, and those things that feel as though they're closing in on you, and there's nothing you can do, change can fall off quickly. The angel said to him, dress yourself. <laughs> if it had been my dream, I'd have said, you dress me. No. <laughs> dress yourself. <laughs> well, you know, whenever your chains fall off, and I, I could preach days on this one passage, but I only have minutes. So, you know, whenever your chains fall off, come on now, dress yourself. That's that's what Joseph did in the prison. Whenever he, he got his opportunity, the Bible says that he took a bath, he shaved, and he put on new clothes, and he went to see the king. Dress yourself and put on your sandals. Time on, actually, is what it means. And so Peter did. And the angel said to him, also, grab your coat. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me. I don't know what's far, but whatever it was far, it might have been a cloak of invisibility. Who knows? He put it on. Whatever the angel did, whatever happened, it happened. Whatever he says, do, do. You know, if the Lord says, put your coat on, don't tell him I'm not cold. I don't need it, thank you. There's no time for that. You never know what God's doing. Verse 9, and so Peter went out and followed the angel, and he did not know what was being done by the angel was real. But Peter thought he was having a dream, seeing a vision. He didn't, th he, he didn't know. He didn't think it was real. I wouldn't either. Verse 10, and when they passed the first and the second guard, they came to the iron gate leading into the city. It opened to them of its own accord, and they went out and went along one street, and immediately the angel left him. Oh. When Peter came to himself, when he, when he woke up and realized, whoo, hey, I'm outside again. When Peter came to himself, he said, Now I am sure that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from the hand of Herod and from all the Jewish people, all that the Jewish people were expecting. When he realized this, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose name was Mark, where many were gathered together and were praying. We're going to hold it right there, okay? They were gathered together and they were praying. You know, their prayers, as it said, you know, but prayer, they he killed James. Peter was arrested. But prayer was made by the church to God for Peter. Peter went to that house where they'd been praying for days, most likely. Some had been fasting. Some had been weeping, no doubt. Some had been crying out to God. You know, it looks like nothing's happening. And, and you know, it's getting closer and closer. And now the Passover is over. And the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And they're going to kill Peter tomorrow. Oh, no, what are we going to do? And you can read the rest of the story. You know, sometimes the only thing you can do is pray. I mean, they couldn't storm the castle. Four squads of soldiers were, were guarding him. And he was chained between two. And there was locked gates and sentries. And, I mean, it would have done no good. 
to do anything other than the one thing God wanted them to do and the one picture God has left us that made the difference is that they were praying. And guess what? They weren't even praying in faith. Because Peter knocked on the door, read the story. No one believed it was him. He had to keep, they even left him outside for a while. He kept knocking. And they said, no, it can't be Peter. They said, Peter's outside. No, it can't be Peter. No, we're praying for him. He's in jail. Can't be him out there. We're praying for him to get out of jail. It can't be him because he's in jail. You see, praying in fear and praying in faith are two different things. And, 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 and just praying sometimes, just participating in prayers. You know, and, and, and I'm not saying that we should not pray in faith because there are other scriptures that tell us to pray in faith not doubting, okay? But we have to put the whole puzzle together and see where every piece fits into the perfect plan of God's will. Our prayers, sometimes when we don't even have faith and can't even imagine God doing something, acknowledging God in prayer and crying out to Him in prayer makes a difference and moves the hand of God. That's what happened. It happened here they were sincere. They were earnestly praying. That means they were really praying, even though they didn't really believe God was going to do something. They were really praying. You ever been in a place where you were really praying, but you didn't really know that God could do that? But you were really earnest prayer. That's what the Bible says. The earnest prayer of a righteous man avails much. James says that. Heaven was listening. And angels were sent on assignment as ministering flames of fire, Psalms 103.20. Ministering for those who would inherit salvation for the sake of those. We see Jesus in Matthew 26 in his time of prayer, in his time of you know, calling out to God, acknowledging God for God's will to be done above everything else. When he finished praying, he turned later to his disciples in Matthew 26, verse 53, and said, Did you not know that I could call 12 legions of angels? Angels are listening. They're hearkening under the voice of God's word to do God's will. When the church in Jerusalem was praying and asking God to help Peter, they were earnest in their prayers. They were acknowledging God, and that's what God wants us to do in every situation. Even if we're having trouble believing we can pray god help our unbelief even if we're having trouble you know uh, uh, imagining that god can do something you know acknowledging god in the situation brings him into the situation release his angels on assignment who are by the way the best prayer warriors okay i'll leave you tonight uh we'll we'll leave this right where it is and i'll leave you with two points okay here are things that I would encourage you to take away. Number one, angels are spirit warriors assigned to minister for us according to the will of God. They are bound to God's will. They are bound to do God's will. And they are assigned to us who will inherit salvation. And they are ministering spirits they are prayer warriors in that they respond to prayer the second thing is an important point is that somehow our prayers activate the will of god somehow 
You know, God even gives us the heart to pray our prayers. God is the one that motivated them. The Holy Spirit called the church together in Acts chapter 12. And the Holy Spirit gave them a heart to earnestly pray and invite God into that moment. And many of them had no idea what God was going to do and, and, and maybe had trouble imagining what God was going to do. But they followed the leadership of the Holy Spirit to call out and to cry out to God and to pray the will of God. The Holy Spirit prays according to the will of God. Romans the 8th chapter. And when we pray especially as we pray led by the Spirit, then unimaginable things can happen because it activates the will of God. You know, I, I think that God has included us in His plan on purpose. He included us because He needs our prayers. That's why Jesus included His disciples in the Garden of Gethsemane. He knew their prayers. Jesus knew their prayers would help to ensure the will of God be done. Think about it. Thanks again for joining us for another encouraging word from Pastor Ron Hammonds. Visit cotr.com and subscribe to our social media platforms to stay up to date. As well, receive more encouraging messages from our pastor and details of the work we're doing both in our community and communities like ours around the world. Today and every day, God bless.